How many of you like routine? Yeah, I knew it. You love routine so much that you eat the same breakfast at the same time every day, right? You've been drinking the same type of coffee for 30 years. And if someone offered you a different type of coffee, nope, I'm not interested. I'm not changing. In fact, the pew that you're sitting in, it's routine. Rob, if you ask me to get up right now and change sections, I'm not doing it. You go to bed at the same time, you wake up at the same time, your routine, uh, for those of you men who shave, you start off on the same side of the face every single time and you won't change. You exercise every morning routine, for those of you who do exercise. You purchase a bagel and a mocha latte frappuccino with extra whip and you will not change that order. Ladies, you put on your makeup while you're driving. It's routine. You even eat chips while you watch Netflix. So if I said right now, get up out of your seat and change sections, would you be upset with me? Probably so. A lot of you are like, this is my pew. It's got my name on it. What if I said tonight, no ESPN when you get home? No Facebook. Oh, now I'm meddling. How many of you avoid change at all costs? Let me see your hands. You just don't like change. You, you like everything routine. Well, just want to give you some examples of why we avoid change. And it can be applied um, uh, to your workplace or even to your home. Number one, we're creatures of habit. We do things in the same routine, same predictable, uh, predictable manner, because it's comfortable to us, right? We don't like to be out of our comfort zone. Asking people to change and get out of their comfort zone is, is a struggle for a lot of people. Another uh, reason why people avoid change is fear of the unknown. Employees resist change at their work because maybe it's unfamiliar territory for them. Many will say, I don't know enough about the changes that you want to take place, Mr. Boss. And a lot of times what they imagine is a worst-case scenario that the change is going to upset their routine. They, uh, they worry um, a, a lot. They, it, it can cause people to have roadblocks whenever there's a change at your work. Another thought on why people avoid change is they feel as though change is unnecessary. Why, do, why should we even change it if it's working, right? If it's not broke, don't fix it. Some people will say, I don't have skills to do the change. Let's say they ask you to change positions within a company. How many of you have ever been asked to change departments? That can be a little scary. 
Maybe loss of control. Maybe familiar routines help employees develop a sense of control. And then when they're asked to change, it really upsets their apple cart. Loss of support system. Changing an organizational structure can sometimes put people in a tizzy because they're not used to it. They've, they lose their confidence in the support system. Maybe they've got a great boss, and then all of a sudden, you're asked to change departments, and you got to inherit a new boss, and you've heard horror stories about that boss. Maybe there's just an unwillingness to work. Some employees express an unwillingness to do anything when it comes to change. Some will say, I already know what I need to know, so don't change anything for me. Many will make up their minds. Also, a final thing about why people avoid change is maybe they've had a previous bad experience in change. It happened to me. I'm from here, but I was an engineer in Atlanta working for a major corporation, and I had the best boss in the world. And before moving back here about, I don't know, about a year prior, um, they moved my boss to another department. And we got wind of the guy who was going to be our new boss. And let me tell you, it wasn't good. He would curse clients out over the phone. He would get so mad and upset, and after he'd get off the phone, he'd slam the phone, and you could hear it all over. Back then, we really didn't have cell phones. And we were like, do we have to have this guy? Do we, can we change? Can we get a new pitcher in the game, you know, is what we were saying. And I remember going to my boss, my old boss, and saying, dude, how much will it take to get you back? You know, I, I, anything. How many of you have ever had a bad change experience. You know what I'm talking about. Well, change is one of the hardest things to deal with, not only in the workplace, but also with our spiritual maturity and with the Lord. It may, hard, it may be hard to accept change on particular topics when it comes to our spiritual growth. But I want to let you know that all throughout the Bible, we see people who had to make change. They had to make changes. Abraham and Sarah. They were coasting later in life. They were enjoying their AARP membership. You know what I'm talking about? They were getting discounts everywhere. And then God called them to be parents very old. And the next thing you know, they had to make a change. They had to get a nursery ready. Some of you know the story of Naomi, the mother-in-law, and her daughter-in-law, Ruth. Naomi had lost her husband. And her two daughter-in-laws lost their husbands, which were Naomi's sons. And it, long story short, Naomi says, I'm, I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm going back to my homeland. She says, I like routine. I'm going back where I know where I know where I'm going. Don't mess with my routine. And Naomi says, I want to go back with you. She goes, no, 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 no. You're not going. It's my routine, and you're not going to mess with my routine. She finally gave in. And Ruth said, 
wherever you go, I'll go. So they both had to make some change. Amen. The psalmist David said, Lord, create in me a pure heart. Maybe you think he said that because maybe his heart wasn't quite pure. Maybe he had gotten to a routine of sin. And finally, the jailer in the book of Acts, the guard who held Paul and Silas, and you know the story, at about midnight, they began singing hymns, and what happened? An earthquake came shook the foundation, and the doors flung open. And because of that story and because of the supernatural work, the jailer, who had a life of routine every day, lock, unlock, lock, unlock, sleep, unlock, sleep, lock. You know what I'm saying? He probably lasted 30 years and got the gold watch. You know what I'm saying? Routine until that day. There was a change that happened. And because of what he witnessed, he asked this question, what must I do to be saved? He got out of a, a life of routine. But even seeing the examples in the Bible of people leaving routine and, and, and grasping change, it can still be hard for those of us that are Christians. We get up, we go to church, we get some coffee in the lobby, we hear a message, we shake a few hands, we go home, we eat some pie, we get up, we have some coffee, we go to work, we come home, we go to Bible study, we come home, we get up, you get where I'm going. It's routine. But there's no life application taking place in our heart. So I want to ask you a question, and it's the title of our message. How much change do you have in your pocket? Not literally, so don't put your hands in your pocket right now. How much change do you have in your pocket? Our core scriptures is two of them, and I want to talk a little bit about change tonight. In Jeremiah 7, verses 1 through 8, it says this. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. He says, stand at the gate of the Lord's house and there proclaim this message. Hear the word of the Lord, all you people of Judah who come through these gates to worship the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Reform your ways and your actions, and I will let you live in this place. Do not trust in deceptive words and say, This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord where there's coffee and we get to shake some hands and there's routine. You get where I'm going? Verse 5, very interesting. It says, this is what the Lord says, If you really what? change your ways and your actions and deal with each other justly. If you do not oppress the alien, the fatherless or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not follow other gods to your own harm, then, in other words, if you change, if you get out of routine, and, and, and when you hear a message or when you see a message or when you read something in your word about changing your ways, if you do that, 
then I will let you live in this place in the land I gave your forefathers forever and ever. So we see right here, the Lord's giving some, a push. He says, listen, I know you like your Starbucks and your bagel and, but there has to be some change taking place in us. Amen. And he says, this is what I need for you to do. If you want to live differently, if you want to live in some freedom, there's something that you got to change. You just can't come to church and say, I went to church, temple of the Lord. I saw my friends. Jesus even addressed this idea of change. He says in Matthew 18, verses 2 through 3, he says, he called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you what? Change or transform and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says, listen, unless you change, unless you do something about your spiritual routine, you're not going to make progress in your spiritual maturity. What Jesus is saying is unless you make some sort of adjustment or a change in or within your marriage, you're not going to grow. You're just simply going to stay in routine. Unless you change or transform something in your finances, you're just going to stay in routine. If you don't change something in maybe a, a relationship struggle that you may be having, guess what? You're going to remain in routine unless you do something about your flying off the handle all the time. It's just going to become routine. Jesus said, we have to change and be like little children. We have to do something other than what we're doing. Amen got real quiet. You see, if we come to church and just say, like Jeremiah, you know, temple of the Lord, I'm here, I, I've checked it off. We're just simply playing church. And so, how much change is in your pocket? I think we have it in us to make change, amen? And so, Many will say, well, Rob, how do I begin to make that change of progress? How do I, well, let me give you three practical ways, and then we're going to go home. Number one, <clears throat> we need to open your face. What? Can you repeat that? Yeah, open your face. In 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, in the King James Version, it says this, but we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Those two words, open face, it literally means to unveil, to uncover, to unlock. Right in front of our face, those things that are holding us into a routine when it comes to spiritual application. What the writer Paul is saying here is, he says, we got to look into a mirror. 
and see what's really going on. We've got to remove that mask and understand that what we're looking at needs to change. The routine needs to change. Give you an example. I'm not trying to make you squirm, but let's take the example of finances. You may not be the best financial advisor out there, okay, and I get that. But maybe it seems like you're always struggling in that area. But when the Pastor Todd or Pastor Brandon speak on tithing, we squirm a little bit, don't we? Rob, 10%? Really? Sometimes we'll hear a message on giving, give a message on finances, some practical advice. And we'll hear the message, but that's as far as it'll go, if you know what I mean. We don't put into practical use what we're hearing. We'll even go to a Bible study and, and, and get revelation on something, but maybe that's as far as it'll go. And Paul says we have to open up our face and remove that veil like the Scripture says, so that the Holy Spirit can become our teacher and give us wisdom where we think we have no wisdom. Honey, it got really quiet in here. Can you get the keys ready and get the car running because I'm about ready to get out of here? When it comes to certain topics, maybe it's because there's a lack of trust. And what God says about giving, maybe about tithing. Maybe there's a veil of fear that needs to come off. So Paul says, we got to remove that. We got to take that off. Maybe there's some dysfunctional behaviors that you know about, but they've come, become so routine. It's like, well, that's the way I am. And that's the way it's always going to be. I'm not changing. What Paul is saying is we have to look in the mirror. And not look at somebody as if it's a dirty picture of somebody, but as a person who needs help. Paul says we got to open up our face to what God wants to teach me and what the Holy Spirit wants to teach me about maybe a behavior that needs to change. About a behavior that's just simply staying in routine and not being changed. Amen? And that's when the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us and begins to work with us, not against us. He'll not overwhelm you. He'll just simply consume you with a breath of fresh air in whatever area or topic that you need help in. So the first thing we need to do is open up our face. The second thing we need to do is leave behind the same old, same old. In Hebrews 6, verses 1 through 2, it says this, Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, 
not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. He says we need to leave behind the elementary teachings and we need to pursue, we need to get out of the routine of just being stuck in the basic fundamentals of Christianity and we need, we need to move forward. Does that make sense? Great example. We will hear messages, whether it's on television or here or on CD. We'll even read about the topic of forgiveness. And our way of handling forgiveness has always been to run, to hide. I don't want to deal with it. I'll put my head in the sand and hope I never, ever speak to that person again. Because that's the way I've done it all these years, and that's the way it's going to be. Right? The writer of Hebrew says, listen, we can hear every message on forgiveness, but if we don't do anything about it in our life, our life's just going to be routine. Does that make sense? We'll just stay in the, in the ditch of routine and not get healing. And the next thing you know, we're passing it on to our children and grandchildren. Some people like bitterness. They like to stay in an arena of bitterness. They love being mad at people. They love being mad at their parents. They love being mad at their grandpa because he didn't invite them to his whatever. But some will just simply handle unforgiveness as maybe how they were taught. Nope, not going to deal with it. And the writer of Hebrews says, we got to leave behind all of that and we've got to pursue maturity in Christ. We may not have all the answers on how to do it, but bless God, we've got a Bible that can give us at least a starting point to, in a positive direction. Does that make sense? And so the writer is saying, look, don't get stuck in routine. Again, example would be forgiveness. Why not pursue maturity and get beyond it a little bit? Maybe it's just a small step but at least it's a step in the right direction. Sometimes leaving the elementary teachings and, and, and getting on a track of spiritual maturity can be difficult. It can also be very painful because we will hear teachings that we know we're struggling with and we're sitting right here on the pews and we'll leave out of here and not do anything about it. And that's what I wanted to share my heart with you tonight is we got to leave behind the old way of dealing with things because, well, that's the way my mama did it, so that's the way I'm going to do it. You know, when it comes to unforgiveness, it's been recorded that people who don't forgive live with high blood pressure. They live with anxiety. 
They can't handle relationships, even new ones, because they're waiting to be offended so that they can go into an arena of bitterness. And I just want to offer you some help tonight and some to let you know that, oh, by the way, 61% of cancer patients have unforgiveness, and half of those say it's so severe that it debilitates them. They can't function. But if we learn how at least to take a step, one step in the right direction to learn how to forgive, they say, can improve our mental state, can improve our physical state, and obviously improve our emotional state as well as our spiritual state. And it's been documented that people who have had high blood pressure, it'll come back to normal once forgiveness is dealt with. Amen? Are y'all with me tonight? It's very quiet in here. And finally, number three, the third step in beginning the process of change is to develop a teachable spirit. Develop a teachable spirit. The psalmist David said in Psalm 119.33, he says, God, can you teach me? Can you show me? He says, teach me lessons for living so I can stay the course. Now, hold on, Rob. Wasn't David kind of messed up a little bit? Yeah. Read the Psalms. He doesn't pull any punches. He lets his feelings out there. You're like, whoa, David, dude, you messed up. But even in the midst of all his thracas, as we say in French, right? Even with all of that going on, he said, Lord, I need some help. Can you just teach me how to live and get out of routine and how to change some things within me so I can stay the course. Let me give you a description of teachable versus unteachable. Unteachable looks like this. Don't like to take notes, don't like to read books or learn anything new. Don't ask questions or attempt anything that might reveal our ignorance. People who are unteachable don't accept responsibility for failures, but they blame everyone else. They don't seek or accept one-on-one -on -one counsel or guidance from parents, teachers, pastors, elders. They don't listen because they're talking all the time when you're trying to talk to them. They don't take criticism too well. And they don't take correction too well. They resist moving out of personal comfort zones and they look for the easy and familiar way out. In one word, it's prideful. On the other hand, in contrast, someone who's teachable is aware of their limitations and their abilities. They admit their inability to others who can teach and help them. They regularly ask for help, instruction, and guidance, and advice. They learn from anyone and everyone. They listen very carefully and patiently with a desire to grow and to get better. 
They're prepared to move out, move out of their comfort zone and make some changes and to try something different, even if there's a mistake involved. They don't give up when they might fail at something. They just get back up on the horse and they seek help. They quickly admit when they're wrong. One word, they're humble. I want to let you know that a teachable person is a true disciple. And some good characteristics or traits of a disciple is that they're, they're faithful, they're obedient, they're willing to learn, they're loyal. But you can't be any of those if you're not teachable and, and want to learn. Amen? If you want to move out of routine and make some change in your marriage, you have to be teachable. If you want to move out of routine and make some change, maybe in some relationship struggles that you're dealing with, you have to be teachable. Does that make sense? If you want to make some change out of routine and want to learn how to forgive, you need to be teachable. What's the evidence of a teachable spirit? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. It's the ability and readiness to submit to another person for instruction or counsel. There's a hunger for truth. There's an appetite for the Word of God. You typically see them at church. They have regular church attendance. They attend Bible studies. Anything and everything to learn more, to learn more, to learn more. They're readers. They make changes based upon the knowledge that they have received. In other words, they attend church. They attend a Bible study. They might hear something on TV or on the radio. and they digest what has just been said and marinate on it and say, Lord, Holy Spirit, teach me. I want to be a little better in this particular area of my life. And there's also a desire to continue to apply things and truths that they've learned. There's, there's a desire, there's a passion to move forward. Right to, to move beyond the elementary teachings and to move forward with their maturity. So number one, we have to open up our face. We have to leave behind the same old, same old and develop a teachable spirit. I hope this message helps you. It, it helped me as I was developing it this morning. And a quote that I came across, and I'm going to end here, it says, to improve is to change. To grow is to change often. I'll read that again. <laughs> you might want to tweet that right now. To improve, which is a good thing, is to change. To grow is to change often. So how much change is in your pocket tonight? Let me just encourage you tonight. I, I, my intent was not to beat you up 
ought to make you squirm. As Brother Francis used to say, what he used to say, Don, I'm, I'm here to make you glad, sad, or mad. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I heard that from this pulpit. My intent was not to dive in and, and make you feel uncomfortable. My intent was just to show us that we have to go beyond our routine and not just come to church, but we have to take to heart what we hear, what we learn, and be proactive with it. Is, is that okay? Is that, does that make sense? So what I want you to do is just stand. <clears throat> Maybe there's something that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you need some, some change in and maybe you've resisted. Let me just encourage you not to uh, wait and take your axe out and attempt to cut the tree. Don't wait until the tree gets so big that you need a, a chainsaw. We want to take an axe of the Holy Spirit tonight and, and cut some things off of us that we know that needs to, to happen and change. And the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not going to beat you over the head. How many of you have had a, I mean, a, a great teacher, either in high school, elementary school, or college? Let me see. Your favorite teacher. <clears throat> Why would, talk to me here. Why were they your favorite? Tell me. They were gentle. What else? Encouraging. <clears throat> Maybe there was a coach in your life. What's that, Brian? They told the truth. Anything else? Compassion. They were, they were full of love. <clears throat> That's the Holy Spirit. He wants to help us not get so caught up in routine of just coming to church but to actively pursue making some changes. And look, <clears throat> let me just give you some advice. Don't try to tackle all of them at one time. Maybe just find someone who can maybe help you pursue. Let's take the area of, of forgiveness. Maybe find someone who's walked that walk and can tell you what it's like to forgive. It's not easy, I can tell you. Maybe, maybe you're having a relationship struggle and you know that there's someone in the church who's mature, who can help you. Seek advice. Amen? Or whatever area that, that you know you need some change. Maybe marriage. Look for some people with gray hair or no hair who have walked the walk, who are still walking the walk and not, well, we've arrived. We know everything. No, you look for people who are honest, who are going to tell you the truth, who are not going to beat around the bush. Look for people who can give you some wise counsel. The Holy Spirit can do it, but he can also do it through some people. Raising children. How many of you have children? How many of you want to leave them here tonight? And No, I'm just kidding. You know what I'm saying. Maybe you're struggling in your parenting skills. Look for people that have been through it, who can help you, who can teach you, give you some advice. We got to leave behind. We got to open up our face, right? 
We need some help. And so let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. We know that we all struggle in, in, all, in, in a lot of areas, Holy Spirit. And we know that your voice trumps any voice that we might hear. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you speak to us tonight. Lord, we want to come out of routine and be changers. Changers of our marriage, changes in our finances, forgiveness, whatever the topic might be. Lord, we want to move in a positive direction and, and, and receive healing and deliverance and freedom. Let me see your hand if you know that there's an area that needs to change in your life. Let me, let me see very quickly. As I said, the Holy Spirit is your friend to help you. I just want to give you some encouragement. Maybe tonight or in the morning when you have your quiet time and your cup of coffee that you've been drinking for 15 years is just say, Holy Spirit, teach me about and then fill in the blank. Even throughout your day tomorrow, maybe at lunch or maybe a break or even when you get home, just say, Holy Spirit, would you teach me about this? And then what's going to happen is it'll, it'll be a process, maybe taking you to scripture, maybe taking you to something or, you, you know, but, but maybe making a phone call to someone and saying, Hey, Joe, can you help me? Hey, Mary, can you help me? I know you've walked through this situation. Maybe you're holding on to bitterness. Maybe you're still grieving at the loss of a loved one. You, you need somebody to walk with you. Amen. Not against you. And doing it the way we used to do it is not the right way to do it. And so I just encourage you to invite the Holy Spirit into your situation and say, help me. Don't point, don't point the finger and say, help my wife. No, you say, help me overcome the routine of blank. Are you all good with that? Let's pray. Father, Every hand that was raised, I pray that you minister your peace and your love and your courage and your confidence to each one who raised their hand for a specific need. We know that your spirit is a perfect gentleman and won't do anything out of character to harm or hurt your people. And so, Lord, tonight, as we've heard, We even heard from your son, Jesus, that says, come as a little child and change, be transformed. And so, Lord, we're receptive to your spirit tonight. We're receptive to coming out of routine into a life of change. I pray your mighty, wonderful blessing on the people of God tonight. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Well, thank you all for coming. We'll see you guys Sunday. Amen. Have a great evening.